A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF Podcast. It's Friday, April 30th. Last Saturday, the fashion world lost one of its most beloved designers, Albert Elbaz, to COVID-19. He was 59 years old. Today, on a very special episode of the BOF podcast, Tim Blanks and I are joined by Shelley Wertheim, who collaborated with Albert for almost 40 years. Shelley first met a 21-year-old Albert Elbaz when he was her student at the Shankar College of Design in Israel. Soon, she became his most trusted creative partner, and they maintained a close friendship right up until his passing last week. Today, Shelley sits down with the Business of Fashion to give her first ever interview about Albert, offering us a unique perspective on his life and work. This is my first ever public talk about a conversation, podcast, a film, whatever, interview about Albert. I never talk publicly about him. My heart is empty. My mind is full. Memories, moments, highs, lows, everything. We discuss Albert's early years in New York, working for Jeffrey Bean. Oh my God, he was his mentor. He was the fifth assistant when he started. In less than a month, he became first assistant working with Jeffrey Bean in his room together. And his tenure at Guy La Roche. When Ralph Toledano called him, he wore a red suit and he went to the interview. And they bonded from the first interview because you cannot not fall in love with him. We learn how he was hired by Yves Saint Laurent's right hand, Pierre Berger, to lead the design of the YSL women's collections. Mr. Berger called to ask for a seat to be invited to the show. So he said, two seats next to me. And by the fifth 
model looked coming on the catwalk, he started to clap and he didn't stop. And you saw him, he was like a very vivid person, full of energy. And of course, we reflect on his celebrated tenure at Lanvin. Lanvin was really the place he felt so comfortable. He loved the people. He loved the team, he loved the journalism. He felt it's a family, it's a big family, and he was ready to give everything for that. But most importantly, we discuss the fashion legacy that Albert Elbaz leaves behind. Fashion has to bring a dream. Fashion has to make people happy. This is what we are trying to do here, is to bring the minimalism of today and the maximalism of yesterday, create a new tension a certain confidence that these clothes, I think, give a woman because they know that they're going to feel as relevant years from now as they do today. And that's the genius of Albert. I think Albert is a visionary. I think he is transcends producing fashion into something that is more about style. Strong business. It is a show that has nudged fashion in new directions, and they are clothes that women actually wear. First, we asked Shelley about the impression she had of Albert on the very first day they met. It was the second year of Albert in, in the college. My first meeting with him, I gave a briefing to the class, and then I worked with everyone separately to see the evolution of each project. So when I got to talk to Albert, he said, I didn't make my, I didn't work on the project. I'm empty handed. Oops. I said, what do I do now? So I said, you know what? Okay. Tell me the story. Tell me what you see. So he started to imagine what he would like to do for this project. And he started to describe the, the looks, the textures, the colors, the catwalk, the backdrop, all the, the spirit of the show. And you know what? In no time, I heard the music. I just saw the show. And I knew there is something so special about him. It was so clear to me where he's going. In time, at that time, I was his teacher, but you know what? Very, very soon he became my teacher and he became our teacher and mentor and friend. And he brought a very, very special emotion to all my world and everybody that was coming close to him and meeting him in person or from far. He was like enlightenment to all of us. Did you have any sense when you first met him of why he was the way he was? What, what, what events had conspired, what people had influenced him to make him this complete person with this very, very persuasive vision? Beyond the emotional and the human aspect that was in his work and in his attitude for people, there was the love for women for everyone. But I think in, in immediately after, it's a thread that of love of people and especially fascinated by women. By women. But it was always about women that, as he said, I think the love of women was one of the most important elements in the work. But at the same time, because, you know, Albert is not linear. 
in in his work and in his life. Everything is layered. Everything is kind of Gemini, although I don't believe in astro. I don't know much about astrology. He was a Gemini, so always I sat in front of him. He was two people, two people, full of contradictions. So. Uh, it's interesting to understand the thread of his work, which is very kind of intertwined, the softness and the, the emotional and the, the relevance of what he was doing. I, I'm, I'm curious, so who the women in his life were at that point? He always spoke about his mother. And did, when, you, when you saw him in, in those early days, I mean, he was what, in his early 20s or late teens? How old was yes, he? Yes, immediately after the army, 21. 21. And did you see him surrounded by women? And did you see, was it, was it family or friends? Or what, where, was this, where was this bond formed? It's, it's family. You know, we come from a culture which is embracing, which is very warm. And his mother was his mentor. And she gave him the words how to continue. But the family, you know, sitting together, having all the holidays together, caring for each other. This was his mantra. And she told him, you always have to remember where you come from and where you are going to. So, and at what time she will call him and say, I want to speak to Albert, not the designer but my son, or she will tell him, be, be big in your work, but be small in life. So he was, by nature, so humble and modest and always not confident that he's delivering, you know, the dream that he had in mind. The joy of his life was when he had a fashion show, he would take the DVD, come to her and stay with her for all the time. He didn't want to do anything else, not to see celebrities, not to go to shows, not to go to concerts, just be with her and talk to her and be inspired and eat her food. He was clearly so close to his family uh, growing up in Israel. And, you know, the other, the other thing I read from the funeral service this week was that, you know, Alex Koo, his partner, said that at some point he decided to leave Israel, obviously. And he said, just with a suitcase and full of dreams, hopes, and raw intuitive talent, it must have been a very difficult decision for him to leave this comforting, cocoon-like environment. We left at the same time. He moved to New York. I left to London to study here. It was very, very difficult. The reason was that he was so motivated. You know, he had a dream. He had a dream to succeed. He wanted to make a change. He had a strong intuition. He went to New York to achieve his dream. He was totally into being a designer of the highest level. There was no doubt about it. About it. And he, he always knew where he was going, where he wants to be. So it was not easy all the time. For the first two years, he, he was... It's in 7th Avenue in a company that did prom dresses. And then one day he calls me from New York. It was in the middle of the night. And at that time, you didn't speak on the phone transatlantic so often. But he called me and he said, I got a position with Jeffrey Bean, fifth assistant. And he told me, I will bring you to my show. And then I said, 
I thought to myself, this will be impossible. It's unimaginable, you know? And he did it. This is what he did. So there was a, a clear direction in his mind. He was so serious in what he did. He was full of humor, very authentic, very funny, very intuitive, but very analytical. But at the same time, he knew where he wanted to be. I just remember so vividly him him backstage at Jeffrey Bean um, because he was completely different from everybody else. He was so impish and funny and everybody else I remember being quite serious. And, and Albert was like this, almost like a little pixie. He was so friendly. I only realized later on how important he was because at Bean because he seemed... You know, he was so light and and funny compared to everybody else. But but I'm I'm so curious about what that experience was like for him being there because the discipline and the rigor of of being the the um, I mean he was he was one of the great American designers and I I, I wonder what Albert took away from that experience. Oh my God, he was his mentor. He was the fifth assistant when he started. In, in less than a month, he became first assistant working with Jeffrey Bean in, in his room together. The, the dialogue between the two was on the eye level. He always uh, had the, the most recognition and respect for his inspiration for him. But at the same time, he was light and probably... Mr. Bean liked this lightness of Albert, this intuitive, you know. He will, after Mr. Bean will leave at, at night, he will decide to take scarves and drape them on all the, all the mannequins in the showroom. And in the morning, Mr. Bean will come and he will be so surprised. But Albert, it's very important to say that at the, at the very, at being funny, he never lost his seriousness. And when you, you worked with him closely, you, I, I know that we were laughing and crying at the same time, but always so serious. Everyone had to deliver. I think the, the only time he didn't deliver was at the time that I met him first. It was a kind of symbolic milestone for us. <laughs> he always he always delivered he was so obsessive of fulfilling his challenges and and assignment and what is expected for him so yes this this period at jeffrey bean was very very important then he decided to move back to europe he decided not to stay in america yes uh, Paris was always a dream. You know, he, his, one of his heroes was Yves Saint Laurent. His aesthetic, his design, the house, what he achieved, the pret-à-porter, the couture, you know, the fact that he can throw a piece of fabric and it falls on the mannequin and the atelier is able to produce this volume and beauty. And he had a dream. So when Ralph Toledano called him, he wore a red suit and he went to the interview and they bonded from the first interview because you cannot not fall in love with him. 
And then he moved to Gila Roche. I went to the first collection. He, called, he invited me for the first collection. And in between he said, I want you to work with me. And then again, it was something unimaginable, but then again, it happened. So in between the lines, you see that whatever he wanted, he followed it and he tried to make it happen. He was a problem solver. He was, you know, grounded and not grounded, which is another story. So the first collection of Gila Roche, I don't know if you were there. I loved Gila Roche when he was doing it. It was like heavenly start. So he, he started with more hair, strapless dress, and kind of cocktail dress, but in mohair, in wool, and in spice colors. Not the colors you expect for this type of group, yes? And then they wore sandals, high, with one strap of diamonds. And what happens? On the fifth look, the sandal explodes, and all the diamonds on the public. And then on the seventh and eighth, another one and another one. And, you know, there was silence and suddenly a boom of clapping and all the crowd. I don't know if you remember this moment. We were all standing and clapping and you felt that how much people recognize him for what he's doing and how much support and love they have for him. For the second collection, he called me and for Gila Roche and he said, come stay with me for a week. You don't have to do anything, just watch, just look. So I came and one day when we did the fitting, he said, I will have an interview, come early, come at nine. And there were, it was a tiny room that we did the fitting and Ralph Toledano was there. I was there and his assistant. And he gave an interview in three languages, in English, in French, and in Hebrew, simultaneous. And he was funny and he was serious. And then I understand that he's the one, the only one that can communicate best what he wants to do and his message. And he, last night, you know, just for a few minutes, I went back to BOF, Voices, that he gave one of his last speeches and you see how he communicated and this goes back to Shenka and how strong he was not only original creator, emotional creator, but he was a, a fantastic communicator. Do you know that it's a funny thing I remember from Gila Roche and it's it's a sidebar, but Albert always loved music and mu- the music of his shows was so important. And people remember the Lanvin shows with the incredible music that made people jump out of their seats. Gila Roche always had extremely good music and it, it, it was extremely unusual music. And he, and I, when I found out later on how involved he was in every level of the thing and how that, that's just one memory I have the, that the music at Gila Roche even if I didn't know it was him, I would always have said, who is doing this? Who is the person behind this? He was very, very good at that. He was very good at tweaking you, you know, um, tweaking your curiosity and things. There was a music for the moment that people arrived for the show. 
with all the foodies that he did, you know, the cocktail, the chocolate, the, the little sandwiches or the sausages on the hamburger, the mini hamburger. So, so there was the music for this moment when you enter this venue, this tent, this temple of fashion, but it was not about fashion. He immediately embraced you with, with kind of magic. And then there was the show the music for the show, and the finale. So there were three DJs that worked with us, but then he started to work with Ariel Wiesman. And Ariel, together with Albert, like Albert with Mr. Bean, like together with other people that he had, a, they had the, the alchemy. I mean, you can say he was control freak, and I believe most designers are, but he was, for me, he was like a conductor of orchestra. Only him really knew every instrument in the orchestra. And this was the, the most exciting in a way, but troubling as well. Will he get to the skin tone that he wants? Will it be warm or cold? Is it fitting the collection, the spirit of the collection? Does it deliver the message? The flowers and the at the back are not right. What is missing all the time? He put us in the challenge to think. Nothing was easy. Everything we had to deliver what we feel, and then he took what was relevant for him. After Gila Roche, he had, I guess, his dream come true: the opportunity to go to Yves Saint Laurent, being selected by. Mr. Berger, can you talk a little bit about that period in his life and what it meant to him? Because, of course, it ended very suddenly and probably dashed his hopes. But I think that period was really defining for Albert as a designer. So for the third collection, Mr. Berger called to ask for a seat to be invited to the show. So he said, to sit next to me. And by the fifth model, Luke coming on the catwalk, he started to clap and he didn't stop. And you saw him, he was like very vivid person, full of energy. So he was sitting and laughing and happy. You saw him and we, I understood, you know, and the people that sat next to him, we understood that there is going to be something announcement. So we were sitting after the show at Albert's house and, Pierre Berger called and he asked him to come for the meeting. So it was a difficult moment because he was very close to Alf Toledano, who was the CEO of Gila Roche, and he had to, to terminate the contract before the last season he was agreed on. But uh, you couldn't say no. It was like you couldn't say refuse such a proposal and the dream was there and it was very difficult it was three seasons that as i see it it was he couldn't develop fully his vision for for if someone or for the house so unlike in at Lanvin, at if someone is set every day after work for hours in the archives you know, 
looking at all the shows, all the sketches, all the PR, all everything that he could assimilate and then reflect on this uh, iconic place and person. At Lanvin, he didn't look at the archives and there were beautiful archives. He understood Jean very quickly. He took the lightness of, of Jean. With, with uh, Yves Saint Laurent, the legacy was quite strong. He was next door, still working. Mr. Saint Laurent, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was left alone to do whatever he wanted. The burden was huge. He knew, however, that he wants to turn it. And this was the beginning of his not only love for women, but the relevance of the time that he started to work there. And the question that was ongoing and became, you know, the, our mantra, what is relevant for today? What is modern? I, I feel that his hands were cut when Gucci bought the house and he was not able to continue his vision. And he, was, he had a very strong respect, admiration. And at the same time, I think he was ready to do the twist of making it new and relevant for the woman of Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, 
you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Today, I love those shows because I I thought for a start it was incredible that two personalities as difficult as Pierre Berger and Yves Saint Laurent should be so fully s- supportive of Albert. That was kind of amazing. Um, I, I I don't know how you feel about that, Shelley. Did it seem did it seem incredible to you that he did have so much support from them? And were you surprised? No, I think they, they understood his talent. They understood his authenticity, his uh, admiration for the house, his respect for the house, and they love his aesthetic. I mean, the minute Berger saw the, the third show, that Gila Roche was magnificent. It was absolutely, and actually, to be honest, I was kind of sorry because I loved what was happening there. Yes. But it did, it did feed in a funny way, quite uh, organically. Totally. What happened next? So, you you would take Yves Saint Laurent in a funny way as a consolation prize for the fact you weren't going to get any more Gila Roche from Albert. Yes, he came with a very strong statement there. He. On one hand, he didn't fear, but at the same time, he was kind of um, not blocked, but but uh, surrounded by the people. You know, his atelier was people that work with the, with the big master. He was uh, tiptoeing there with the respect and with the love and with the admiration for for Yves Saint Laurent, but. They, I think they they supported him and they loved him and you see it in in small. They understood him in 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 their own way. You know, at the first meeting with Berger, he sent him before the meeting olive oil and tomatoes. He didn't send him wine or champagne. You know, he sent him olive oil, tomato. This is me. I'm I'm a real person. You know, and he looked at everyone with straight eyes, but you know, it makes him stronger. All all the all the period in in the all the three seasons that he worked there. I think it, it made him really stronger and more focused on what he wants to do. His tenure at Yves Saint Laurent came to a an end very quickly when, as you say, the Gucci group was forming. Yves Saint Laurent was acquired. You know, how did Albert react to that? What was what was his what were his feelings about having that dream come to an end so quickly before he had fully realized his vision for Saint Laurent? First of all, it was a huge sadness. So 
the sadness that maybe he failed, you know, the sadness that he was paralyzed in the middle of something that he dreamt all his life, that he, you asked me about what made him go to New York. This is what made him. He wanted to be someone who makes the change in, in fashion. You know, he had it intuitively in his, in his body, in his soul, in his uh, aspirations, in his mind. This was a dream since he was very, very young. And then, of course, there was L'Envin, which I think is probably his period that most people around the world know him for, which was just like reviving this house that had been dormant, the oldest couture house in the world. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, the work you and did Albert during that period. So I'll tell you the first one, and this takes us to some of the beginning of our conversation. The first time I came to Paris was to do the selection of the fabrics in uh, Landrin's third floor, big hall, beautifully decorated. When I arrived already, everything was laid out like, he likes color by texture, by everything. But the people that came in and out, you know, to help us or to, to suggest something, you felt no emotion. They did what they were asked, but there was nothing. The next time we came, I came, I felt that everyone is a personality. He knows everyone by name. He knows the children. He knows. And suddenly, through the years, I felt that they're not working for Landven, they work for Albert. So he will go every morning. He will start the day, but visiting the atelier, sitting with everyone on his project. And at the end of the day, he will go to the store to talk to the vendors and to hear who was in the store, what was sold, what can be changed, what can be improved. We talked about his love for women. His work at Lambert, that, that's something people have talked about all week. Everybody has mentioned the same thing. How do you think that love was actually expressed in the clothes? Did he want to help women escape or did he want to help, did he want to, he wanted to make women more beautiful? He, he what, what do you think the major impulse was for him in, in love? women with his clothes in my opinion it's feeling from what i saw you know he understood that women in today's world are educated they have to be you know it's not like they are kept women and have the functions at home but they are educated they are career women they are wives mothers lovers grandmothers and how you do, how these multitask women, what their needs. They go out in the morning, they come back late at night. How he can embrace them with the necessities they need because he understood that women are living a very complex kind of lifestyle today. So, but the today moved through the years with the change of social, uh, social change, e- economics, politics. So in time of recession, he will address this. In time of pandemic with AC fashion, he will address something else, but it was 
always asking questions and he was very knowledgeable about what is going on politically and socially, he read everything, all the newspapers, all the CNN and the likes. So he was very much in tune and he was talking to women and he wanted to understand what they need. And this was his interpretation for his collections. It was never ever iconic woman that will be the muse for the collection. And he was healing women by the words he sent them, by the clothes he created for them. And Lanvin was really the place he felt so comfortable. He loved the people. He loved the team. He loved the journalism. He felt it's a family. It's a big family. And he was ready to give everything for that. Shelley, can you tell us a little bit about his final days? What was going on? You know, how, how was he feeling? He had just come off the great success of AZ Factory. I had the pleasure of, of doing a podcast with him about it. And I could tell he was just, he was so excited to see this, his next dream come to life. You know, he had showed me a few years earlier, all of the stories that he had thought about for all of the way he was thinking about this new collection. But at the same time, I had another conversation with him and he was, he was really afraid of the virus and he was afraid of the environment and he kind of sealed himself off. You know, what, what was going on with Albert in these final months? Well, I was there February last year. It was the last time I saw him. We were, he was showing me the 60, again and again, the 60 projects he has for AZ Factory on his iPad. We printed few of them for the presentation of the Richmond board. He, he, it was already in the Fondation Cartier. The studio was ready. He, everything was set. So I came on a weekend and we did the boards to show everyone. Two weeks later, the the news from China started. He calls me and he immediately understood this is going to be international tragedy. It's Albert, it doesn't, you know, it was the South and it was a few months and it passed. No, this time it's going to be horror. And immediately he put himself on the supreme uh, steps of caution. I mean, double masking, transparent walls. He talked to his team through screens, transparent screens. There was a nurse that came to test every week, I think. I, I'm not sure, but a lot. Friends, there were intervals of uh, when the lockdown was not on that people went to meet in, in restaurants. He didn't go there. He didn't go there. He stayed, I think, for five months at, at home. Now imagine. The team came two weeks after I arrived, and he had to do his dream collection, his next stone in his career. But none of his team could fly over to Italy, to the factories, or to to whoever, Portugal or wherever were the factories, the atelier was small. The collection was built on developing technology, so it, it had to be in the factories. 
So immediately, you know, with the fear, because, you know, he was asthmatic, he was overweight, you know, he was the type of person that, I don't say obsessive with his work, but he loved his work and every minute he had, he wanted, he just, this was his meditation to sketch and to think and to, to imagine things. So to create a collection under lockdown with a new team that he picked out of 120 interviews he did, he like picked them like with the tweezer. So everybody knew he has to bond them together to understand his vision. Lockdown, all of this together was very, very difficult. One year like this, one year. In the last two months, he said, I'm waiting for you to come to Paris. I told him, it will, it will not be soon. But the minute it opens, I'm there. But, you know, he didn't make it. He was so scared all the time. He was so scared. He never went. He, at the time that was open, he didn't go to to restaurants or public places where there are many people. He, he just rejected all he met people in the in the park with sandwich that he brought from home and coffee and that's it this was the maximum he extended his public life so again it was on many layers the fear the concern will he deliver the first collection was it right is the black dress is the right thing is the active wear Luxury active wear is the right thing. And knitwear, he always also discussed with himself, is the knitwear the future of luxury? Can it be? Because knitwear, you know, was a sweater, something which is something else. So there were many questions that he posed for himself and never let go until he find, you know, the resolution for what it should be and how it should be. But it... it at the same time, I was with him on the phone a lot and he would send me, you know, fitting images and, and samples of prints that he is planning to do for the next uh, a capsule that will be on, on in June. He lived it. He lived it with all his heart and soul and mind, and, and but with fear. What do you think happens now with AZ Factory? It's a big question. It's a million dollar question. Like in Saint Laurent, he needed more time. He took a totally different direction. He sent a story. He didn't send a collection with 100 uh, dresses, 100 shirts and skirts and coats and bags and jewelry and all this. It was totally something else. It was highlights of visions that he had that are embracing women that will be a kind of something that will enlighten them in this difficult situation. And, and what will happen next in the world? Will, will we live in Zoom all the time? So we have like legging and sweater and, and a Zoom shirt or something like this. What will be the future? Or will it, or will it be a Babylon, you know, that everyone wants to forget the pandemic and all, all of this. So I, I don't know, because I'm not sure how many designers uh, could take this vision forward. I don't know if Richmond, what will be the decision, because they, they put their heart into 
I think between Johan and Albert, there became another beautiful collaboration, another beautiful bonding in person and in appreciation and recognition. I mean, the meeting between them were so inspiring. So I don't know. There was that the particular provocateur sensibility that allows you to put a duchess bubble over leggings. You know, like you go to the gym, you come out of the gym and you pop a duchess bubble on and you go out to the opera. That is so Albert that it you can't imagine anybody acting that. You know, you can't you 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 can only be that, you can't act it. And and that's why it would be so hard for somebody else to assume his sensibility because it's never going to be it's never going to feel instinctive I don't think so that's a real challenge because what he did when you say maybe people didn't understand it it was quite audacious and it takes a while to understand audacity but you know this is why he was I consider him as a visioner because I saw so many collections of his and I was part of it in real time and there were many times that people didn't understand it. And a few months later, you know, there was the sparkle of what he did was the right thing. It happened often, you know, like again and again and again. And this was kind of thread in his work, you know, that the realization of, of, of what he envisioned was uh, so strong. So even even people in the in in the team, you know, didn't didn't realize it. Only when the show was on, when you saw the clothes, when you heard the music, when you saw the catwalk, and you saw you can take any clothes because it's not for the theater and not for the television or the screen. It's for you. You can wear it. You can go with one dress in the morning, change your shoes, add your jacket, put your jewelry. And you go to to the glamour opera or or wherever you want or you know uh, the transformation. I have to tell you two things. You know that also bonded to what you say, which is music to my ears. You know, if you take the women that the celebrities that wore the stars that wore Lanvin or even Saint Laurent. At the red, on the red carpet, especially the Oscar, you take Tilda Swinton, you take uh, Meryl Streep, you take uh, Natalie Portman, you take uh, Chloe Sevigny with the Yves Saint Laurent black dress. I mean, there was nothing. It was meters of black, but she was modern, edgy, beautiful, this was Albert. You saw the face. You don't remember the, the all the decoration. He was stripping references of the research, collaging it in a way that only he understood how to do it, making it, made it his story of the personality has to be stronger than the dress. But you still love the dress because this is what makes makes you feel enlightened. This is what makes you feel strong and confident and comfortable on stage or wherever on the red carpet. And you don't have to pose your 
slashed back or your pomposous neckline. So, yes. Um, so, but at the same time, the day of the show, all the team of Ranven, the seamstress, the modelist, the secretaries, the assistant, will go to the PR sample room and will take clothes, okay? And they will come just a few hours before the show. And you look at them and you see these clothes from last season or two seasons before or three seasons, they fit everyone. Any age, you know, we feel the clothes where I feel that my mother, my classy mother will can wear it, myself, my daughter, and it's timeless. I have I have dresses from his felt collection. It's like of today, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that. I was I was looking back at some of the videos from different Lanvin collections, and those clothes are just as desirable now as they were back then. And he leaves this incredible legacy in all of these cupboards and closets all around the world of women who've talked to me this week and said, those are my favorite clothes to wear, and I still wear them today. His other close friend, Lisa Perez, who wrote in the Haaretz, she said, he was a French resident who was also an Israeli citizen with Moroccan roots, who was born on the periphery and became a citizen of the world. And I just thought that was such a you know, fitting encapsulation of this incredible life of Albert Albaz. And, you know, Shelley, I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to share with us some of your personal reflections and thoughts and experiences of Albert. You know, I know you've never spoken about it before, and I'm really grateful that you, you shared some of that with, with us at BOF. And, you know, I'm very sorry for your loss. We will all miss Albert deeply, but I will certainly look back and reflect on my exchanges and experiences with him with such fondness because so so much of what you said has resonated with me you know even when he and I were collaborating on his talk for voices it was like a creative collaboration and he wanted to talk about the lighting and he wanted you know the music and the, the whole thing was something that he put so much of himself into it and that's why it was you know such a remarkable moment in the in the history of voices that I hope we'll continue to live on because there were so many amazing lessons in that talk. So thank you, Shelley. Thank you, Tim, for sharing your experiences with Albert. I would like to thank you uh, to make me so comfortable talking about it. I always knew that you are very eloquent, articulate thinkers, forward thinkers, but also very sensitive. And this is what he loved. If you're not yet a BOF professional member, podcast listeners can benefit from a 25% discount on your first year of an annual membership using the code PODCASTPRO. That's podcast P-R-O. The BOF podcast is edited and produced by Venetia Van Horn Alkama, Kate Vartan, and Kevin Bobby Blanco in the BOF studio team. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person, too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. 
Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.